athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. I think very deeply. In about four seconds, a teacher will begin to speak. I think very deeply. You're locked in to the dopest show on radio. From the press box to press row, I am your host, Donald Ware. Definitely some tough times, this coronavirus, COVID-19. Boy, I tell you what, it's serious. And for those that don't think uh, that it is serious, people are dying from this. People are getting sick from this. It is a pandemic. And um, so as a matter of fact, uh, generally, uh, I'm in Raleigh hosting this show, have a producer. We are at uh, my home studio, as a matter of fact, and uh, so going to do it from here and Listen, just continue to be safe, continue to wash your hands, continue to stay away uh, from uh, handshakes and hugs. Uh, it is very, 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 very serious. I know we, I mean, here in North Carolina, I mean, the cases um, continue to rise in terms of the numbers uh, that have been infected. The cases, as a matter of fact, in the county in which we are, uh, Wake County, continue to rise as well in this Raleigh area. So continue to be safe. Um, if you don't have to be, you know, surrounded uh, or in large gatherings as it's, uh, you know, pretty much been mandated, uh, uh, as a matter of fact. I mean, these are just some, you know, these are just some some difficult and different times that we are in. I mean, it's, you know, it, it's 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 not like, you know, it's not like a hurricane or, you know, something like that where you can pinpoint it. It's in a smaller area. You can sort of go out and really deal with it. I mean, this is something that is spread and really uh, we it's going to it, it's going to get worse before it gets better. So they say, and that's not to really scare you. I'm just telling you how it is to sort of really give you some perspective and to really get a handle on how serious this virus is. And so I just wanted to kind of point that out. Got a good show for you today here on the program. We're going to, you know, we're going to step away a little bit. I'm going to try to get your mind a a little bit off uh, of the coronavirus. I know that some of you uh, must be absolutely um, bored, uh, stir crazy out of your mind because a lot like here in North Carolina, the, the restaurants and bars are closed. You can uh, do takeout orders, but I'm sure that's um, how it is in a lot of different places around the country. And so, you know, this is just sort of a time to just chill out uh, a little bit and, uh, you know, help. You know, if you're able to help your neighbor check on older people, uh, definitely. Uh, but definitely be safe during these times. So enough said about that. Let me take your mind uh, if if we can a little bit 
off of the coronavirus for about the next 56 minutes or so here on the program. Got a good show for you lined up. Byron Smith is the head men's basketball coach at Prairie View A&M and has just completed his third season. Prairie View A&M for the second straight year, winning the SWAC regular season. He's going to join us today here on From the Press Box to Press Row. I never know who may have won that SWAC tournament championship. I mean, a lot of the tournament championships we've had, you had some winners in the tournament championships, obviously, but a lot of the tournament championships still had to be determined. We'll never know who would have uh, won what. But Prairie View A&M's got a good program. Byron Smith has built a good program there in Prairie View, Texas. And so he's going to join us today here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Also, our listen back today. And, you know, right now, uh, the NCAA tournament would be going on. It would be in full swing. So what we're going to do, we're going to take a listen back today here on From the Press Box to Press Row. John Cheney the former head men's basketball coach at Temple led Temple to so much success over his career. They made a couple of elite eight appearances during uh, his uh, 20 plus year career as the head men's basketball coach at Temple. And oh, by the way, he was also the head men's basketball coach at Cheney State. Cheney State had a lot of success under John Cheney, including winning the 1978 NCAA Division II Tournament Championship. For those that didn't know that, and, oh, by the way, John Cheney is a graduate of Bethune-Cookman. So we're going to have a listen back at an interview that we had with John Cheney going back to 2013. Um, again, NCAA would be in full force right now don't have that going on right now so we'll take a listen back uh with an interview with john cheney also today here on from the press box to press row going to talk a lot of nfl free agency today on the program obviously going to touch on the biggest story tom brady but you have some other stories obviously going on i mean i think the first big deal that happened wasn't even a free agency situation but it was the fact that the Texans moved DeAndre Hopkins. Can you believe that? The Texans moved wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins, one of the elite receivers in the National Football League. Uh, the Texans moved him and a fourth-round pick to the Arizona Cardinals for David Johnson, a 2022nd round pick, and a 2021 fourth-round draft pick. So you wonder, well, why in the world would... The Texans make that kind of move, especially with a a elite, an elite receiver. You've got a very good quarterback. A lot going on. The offensive line, you know, sort of seemed to be improving. I mean, wow, Deshaun Watson doesn't have one of his elite receivers, although I think the Texans are, are still pretty decent at wide receiver. But then I'm reading, well, you know, DeAndre Hopkins won it. Maybe 18 to 20 million dollars. The Texans weren't willing to pay him that, so they traded him. But but I, but I think even more so than the trade itself, it's the fact that they should have gotten more for the trade. David Johnson was at least at one time a, a very good player, a great you know a good running back, a good receiver, one of the one of the best dual threat running backs 
in the National Football League. I mean, he's, you know, maybe not so much the last couple of years or so, but man, I think you could have got David Johnson and a first round pick, uh, especially that you're giving up Hopkins and a fourth round pick. Like a fourth round pick is nothing to sneeze at. So they give up Hopkins and a fourth round pick. Now I realize they get that fourth round pick back in 2021, but you get, you give up a 2020 um, fourth round pick. I mean, I'm thinking, you know, for that, you should have at least, if you're the Texans, gotten a first round pick. So a lot to get to Cam Newton, you know, Philip Rivers signs. Um, wow. I mean, so much to get to today here on from the press box to press row. I also want to remind you during these difficult times. Um, listen, we've had a lot of cancellations of of uh, of of graduations uh, at respective schools if you're able to and I know it's a tough time especially for a lot of people that may have had their hours cut back may be out of work etc um uh you know and we have a lot you, you know you look at a lot of people in the sports world where there uh, were people that work security may have worked concession stands ushers etc and you have a lot of professionals that are stepping up in various markets here in, in our market uh, in the raleigh area you have the carolina hurricanes doing doing a lot for those um, at the PNC arena who would normally be working those hurricane games. I mean, it goes on and on around the country, but don't forget if you're able to, at these times, donate to your school, donate to your school, because at these times, you you know, again, you have a lot of graduations that are, that have been canceled. And while maybe uh, uh, respective schools don't have to pay necessarily for, uh, for commencement speakers, uh, etc. Generally, during these times, you have a lot of alumni maybe that come back very proud of the universities that they've graduated from. Generally, maybe give money um, to the university during this time. So don't forget about your university um, as well. If you're able to give to the university that you graduated from your participation here on from the press box, the press row always warranted. Hit me up via Twitter at box to row B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W or on Facebook. B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W. Thank you to all of the absolutely wonderful, wonderful affiliates around the country that carry from the press box to press row. I think we're going to talk a lot about Tampa uh, today. So big shots out to W-U-R-K in Tampa who carries the program. I think W-U-R-K has been carrying the program maybe three or four years or so. We appreciate you carrying from the press box. Uh, to press row how about uh, whur in our nation's capital in washington dc uh the hd2 channel who carries from the press box to press row those that listen to us on sirius xm channels 141 and 142 and those that listen to us around the world at box to row.com i'm actually up against a break uh, we're going to talk some free agency a little bit later on in the program. What are some of the moves that you were surprised by in terms of free agency? How do you think your respective team did in free agency as a Redskins fan? The Redskins haven't been very active in free agency, but I think the Skins have made some subtle moves. I think the Skins already have uh, really a wealth of talent that I think 
was uh, was not maybe performing to its best. I think now that you have Ron Rivera uh, there, I think the Redskins are going to be smart. Um, they have some money. They probably are going to even look more to the future. I know we're talking about the uh, you know the upcoming draft. Do the Redskins uh, in fact go uh, with with Chase uh, out of Ohio State? Do they maybe uh, go uh, think about going with Tua Tunga Viola, the uh, quarterback for um, for the uh, for Alabama? I, I don't think so. I think you roll with Dwayne Haskins. Uh, maybe draft another receiver. I think the receiving core is good. Hopefully, guys can come back at running back. Adrian Peterson is coming back for you as well. The Redskins franchise tag Brandon Sheriff. Um, uh, so, I, you know, improve that offensive line a little bit. The defense, I think, is going to be better than a lot of people think that they're going to be. So uh, I think the Redskins ha- have uh, maybe haven't made the big splash, but they got to, you know, set back um, a little bit. I think it's going to be a much improved season. But how did your team do? Hit me up via Twitter at Box the Row, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W. You can also hit me up on my personal Twitter account at dware one at D-W-A-R-E, the number one. Follow me while you're there. Also on my personal Instagram account at where Donald. Let's step aside. Let's take a break. Let's come back. You're going to hear we're going to be joined by the Hitman's basketball coach of Prairie View A&M, Byron Smith. This is Michael Vick, and you're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. I really appreciate that. All this on last week's from the press box to press row with donald ware steve white of nfl network where will tom brady be once free agency begins? you know i've been speaking to a lot of folks lately and almost every one of them thinks he is not going back to New England, in large part because it does seem like the Patriots are really, you know, bending over backwards saying, hey, we're dying to have here. So there's a lot of thought they're going to say, go test free agency, see what's out there. And if you don't like what you're, you know, what you're hearing, you can always come back. Even though you hear teams like the Chargers, the Raiders, and Buccaneers are going to go after him. From the press box to press row is one of the hottest sports talk shows in the country. Join Donald each week as he takes you on a journey through the world of HBCU sports and pro sports and interviews with top sports and entertainment figures. That's from the press box to press row each week on your favorite station. You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. Let's continue here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Obviously, no NCAA, but it doesn't stop us from talking about the teams that did well during the regular season. And on the line, we're joined by a gentleman who completed his third season as the head men's basketball coach at Prairie View A&M. The Panthers, for the second straight year, finished the regular season as the SWAC champions. Byron Smith joining us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. The Panthers finishing the season 19-13 and 13 and 14-4 and four in SWAC play. How are you and your family during this time, Coach Smith? Uh, we're doing well, and thanks for asking. We're doing well. Uh, just you know, just trying to 
get a bit of direction as to our next move, but uh, uh, healthy and, uh, and safe, uh, myself and family. Thank you for asking. Absolutely. Have you have you seen? I mean, have you? You know, you're, you're a little bit older than, than than I am, but I mean, this you know, this is this coronavirus and and what we're you know certainly dealing with is certainly nothing uh, like I've seen in my lifetime. Yeah, this is this is unprecedented, and I've you know I've been around like you say for, for a little bit, and kind of traveled the world and, and seen a lot of things, and have, have had a lot of exposure. But this is something that's unprecedented, and I think you know I guess the, the frustrating thing and difficult thing is um, you know everyone seems to act like they know how to react to it and what to do, but I don't think really anyone has any answers, and me included. So uh, it's times like these, you just you just try to stay connected to God and pray uh, and just ask for it, for insight and ask for direction uh, from him uh, and try to pay attention and stay current as to uh, the latest reports that are coming out about this virus. But I don't think anyone definitely has answers for how to uh, how to deal with it other than just try to stay you know, away uh, from large groups and uh, just try to pay attention to, like I say, the latest updates as to what's going on with this virus. Yeah, no question about it. So what are you what are you currently what are you able to do? What are you currently doing right now? Well, you know, uh, my staff and I, we met every day this week, uh, with the exception of today, uh, in the office. And we just, you know, going over our recruiting notes uh, and just, you know, uh, following up as to the last time we had uh, communication with the, the, the incoming guys that we targeted. Um, I think that they're all aware uh, of the situation of the, of the quote-unquote dead period. Obviously, they've allowed us to be able to uh, have some communication and contact uh, Twitter and different things like that. So uh, we're just really right now trying to let, let the guys, the young men, know that we still are interested. And it's a difficult time right now, but we haven't forgotten about them. And hopefully this will pass uh, at some point relatively soon. Uh, and we can get back to business uh, as usual. But things will be extended, obviously, deadlines and national signing days and being able to sign kids to final trade agreements and national letters of intent. That's going to be pushed back quite a bit. So it could get a little bit tricky. Some kids may. Uh, not feel the love because you're not able to deal with them or see them or get them on campus for official visits. Uh, but we're hopeful that that will swing in our favor as well. Maybe some of the bigger schools that may not be able to get a kid, you know, on campus to visit. And, uh, you know, maybe uh, by us, you know, showing a lot of interest and in, in talking uh, to them and trying to sell Prairie View as much as we possibly can, maybe we can, you know, maybe we can convince a kid that to come to Prairie View. Otherwise, maybe would not be able to uh, in normal circumstances. Yeah, I mean, and it doesn't uh, hurt that you're uh, the two-time defending uh, SWAC uh, regular season champs. And then, of course, um, in essence, the defending um, SWAC tournament champ as well. But now, you know, in addition to that, I mean, I know you've been putting in the hard work and you're always going to do that. But, you you know, you've been getting in a little bit of ball on the side, too, right? I'm sorry. Can you repeat that? Yeah, you've been getting in a little little bit of basketball on the side, too, right? Absolutely, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm still waiting on that 10-day uh, call-up for some reason or another. Uh, I, I didn't totally close the door on that, um, so I'm staying ready. Uh, and if they need a, a 20th man, uh, and they only have 15 on the roster, they need a 20th man. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go. But uh, yeah, I have been spending some time in the gym just to, to kind of take my mind off the thing. I still love to play. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm good for. Uh, probably two points a game out of 20. The game goes to 20. I'm probably good for two from butt naked, wide open. Excuse my language. Uh, I, I can knock down a shot sometimes. I can't guard a dead man uh, in, in a war movie, but I, I can make a shot every now and again. But I, I, I still enjoy the game, and 
I stay in relatively decent enough shape to where I can kind of get up and down two or three games a day with the younger guys. So uh, that, that's kind of what I've been doing to uh, fill in my, my, my time away from, uh, you know, coaching and, and recruiting. Right. Now, now, Coach Smith, I don't know if I quite believe that. Like, you're not that old. And, by the way, you were all Southwest Conference uh, during your days at UH. Like, I don't I don't, I, no, I think you still got a little game. I think you're good for more than two points. Yeah, I, I still, I'm still able to, like I said, move around a little bit. And, you know, I've never, you know, as a player, and you're right, and I appreciate that uh, acknowledgement that I, I wasn't an all-conference player. And, uh, but I've never really been an overly athletic guy even when I played. So I've always played the game kind of between the years. And uh, I think sometimes that kind of gives you a chance to still be able to, you know, be effective in some ways that you can think the game, uh, you know, as opposed to, you know, being able to, you know, go 100 miles an hour and jump over over the top of the rim and things like that. So, uh, but I, I pick and choose uh, where I play a lot of times so it gives me a chance. But, you know, just, I just love the game. It's a blessing to be able to be a part of it on both sides as a coach and still able to be active and, and play some pickup basketball from time to time in some men's leagues. So um, definitely has a huge impact on my life and uh, just, just so happy to uh, be associated with, I think, the greatest uh, team sport, uh, you know, in the world today. Yeah. Byron Smith is the head men's basketball coach at Prairie View A&M. He joins us here on From the Press Box to Press. As I mentioned, Coach Smith, a 19-13 and 13 season, 14-4 and four in conference play, another SWAC, a regular season championship. Your thoughts uh, on your season? Well, you know, it was obviously a very successful season. We were able to get uh, our work done early in terms of, uh, you know, kind of clinching, you know, with a few games to go. Uh, we had, a, I won't say a comfortable lead, but we had a, a two-game lead uh, for the most part throughout uh, the, the conference. And I was pleased with the young man because, uh, you know, once again, you know, we had a solid non-conference, but I felt that, you know, we could have uh, maybe won two or three more games. Uh, so we were, like, a little bit disappointed uh, and felt like we could have been better. Uh, but I was very pleased uh, with how they responded. We got off to a really, really good start. Uh, and I was I was even more pleased that we had a totally different team, with the exception of a few holdovers from last year with our, with our uh, NCAA tournament team. But I think it spoke volumes about our culture and what we've established and that we just kind of plugged in some new guys and we kind of picked up where we left off. Uh, obviously, we had the player of the year that returned, uh, you know, for, for, for all of our conference playing, Devontae Patterson, and that never hurts. Uh, but the rest of the guys were uh, kind of more – Gerard Andrews was a, was a major contributor last year. But the other players that we had returning were role players and didn't play as big a role as those two guys. But, again, I think I have to tip my hat to the culture that we've established and that we've been able to just kind of plug some guys in this year and we're able to get the same result and then uh, back-to-back champion. So I was really pleased with that, really pleased with that. Yeah. And, you know, Loyola, I mean, I look at you mentioned the out-of-conference schedule. I mean, you look at Loyola Marymount, that's a good program, a game in which you, you know, you fall, unfortunately, but by, by three points. But you, you know, you really played well, especially in the second half, almost erasing uh, a double digit deficit falling in that game, ultimately by three points. Yes, we, uh, you know, I, uh, you know, obviously we, there, there's three seasons. There's the pre-conference, there's the conference, and there's the postseason. And, you know, we, we take pride in all three phases, all three conferences, all three uh, competitions. And, you know, whereas, there may be some teams in the past which just used the non-conference to uh, obviously to uh, you know take care of the budget and to be able to get themselves ready uh, for conference play. But our approach is different. You know, we feel that we put our we these other teams put their pants on one leg at a time, like our guys do. I think we prepare um, 
equally as well, it, even if it's not better than a lot of these Power Five uh, uh, schools. And no disrespect, uh, we watch a lot of film, and, and we really prepare our guys. Uh, so, you know, the result um, doesn't ever surprise us. And several of these games that you're talking about, hey, it came down to maybe one possession or, um, you know, maybe we thought that, you know, it was a charge and it was in, end up being a block or we didn't knock down a free throw, we didn't execute a play. But we were maybe one or two plays away from winning three to four more games, you know, in, in our pre-conference. Um, and consequently, that, that kind of hurts us a little bit too when it comes to scheduling because, um, you know, we're not, up, we're not at the top of any of the Power Five's list uh, of teams that they want to play, and that's not to brag or to say that anyone's ducking and dodging us, but uh, we just feel like we're tough out. And we feel like, you know, we really prepare well and we prepare hard and uh, we're extremely competitive. Uh, and we're going to continue to be that way. So scheduling, you know, I know it's a, uh, a different note, but scheduling has been a little bit difficult for us as well to be able to get uh, teams to uh, bring us in to play because they know that, you know, we're, we're, we can be a tough out early. We, we really get after it. Yeah, you mentioned Devontae Patterson. Speak a little bit more about um, his play, 15.9 points per game. He led you in scoring, shooting right around 47% from uh, the field. Obviously, he's the guy you're going to miss next year. Devontae Patterson is a uh, he's a special young man. He's overcome a lot in his life. Uh, you know, a lot of um, I would say you know off the court you know things. Nothing as far as getting in trouble, but just a lot of adversity he's had to deal with and overcome. I'm really proud of him as a young man because he's really mature. You know, right there in front of our our own eyes. And I, I really thought he was the best player in the league uh, a year ago. But obviously that 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 award went to Jeremy Combs from Texas Southern, who obviously he was well deserving of that. But I just thought this year Devontae obviously he entered the in his name into the draft I think last spring and kind of went through a few workouts. But you know um, he came back, uh, refocused, uh, had a lot to accomplish, and I think he wanted to establish himself as the best player in the league. And 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 I I don't think it was even close this year. I mean he was that dominant. Um, every game that he played, I mean you knew, and everyone had to prepare for him. I think he got better at his outside, you know, shooting. Uh, he can get to the basket against anyone. He's a physical guy. He's six foot six, probably about 215 pounds. He's very strong. He's extremely competitive. He's very tough. Uh, he can defend, uh, you know, multiple positions. Um, I don't know where his, you know, his professional career is going to go. I, I think he is going to have one. Uh, but it wouldn't surprise me, you know, if he's not the next guy to come out of our league uh, that has a legitimate chance at some point in time. Uh, to make an NBA roster. I think if things fall his way, uh, if he continues to work, stays focused, stays humble and hungry, God gives him the increase, it wouldn't shock me in the next year or two that I, you will see him playing in the NBA. I think he's got that much talent, and I think he's got tremendous upside and got a bright future uh, if he continues to work hard and stays humble. Exactly. Byron Smith is the head men's basketball coach at Prairie View A&M. He joins us here on the program. Obviously, you know, you look at – Patterson, he gets a lot of the shine, but I tell you what, uh, Gerard Andrus, very good for you, 14.9 points per game, and a young man, you know, you're talking about a guy that's 6'5", plays the guard position, also shot 55% from the field. Gerard is, uh, you know, I, I don't like to talk about favorite players, but, you know, if just between you and I and the, all the listeners, <laughs> he's one of my favorite players of I've ever coached, I mean, I'm a little biased. I'm a Louisiana guy. Gerard's a Louisiana guy. That's why I really wanted him in our program. But he was just our emotional leader. He brought it every day. Uh, he never ran away from the hard work, and we work pretty hard. I mean, we get after it in our, uh, you know, our preseason conditioning, our weightlifting. I mean, we really, really push these guys really hard beyond their own limits that they think that they could go to. But he was always the first one in the gym, the last one to leave, always wanting to get an extra shot. 
just always a positive attitude and uh, you know, he was, he was kind of like an extension of the coaching staff, that he would stay on those guys about doing the right thing. Even if he didn't feel like practicing that day, he was always right there. It's kind of like our energizer bunny. I'm so happy for him, uh, him being first team all-conference. Uh, you know, and again, you know, uh, a young man that's overcome a lot in his early days, and, uh, you know, he's on track to graduate. I'm just so, so proud of him, so happy that we had so much support from him. He's a beautiful family, mom and dad always supportive, coming over from Louisiana to watch as many games as they possibly could. Mother has some health challenges. But, I mean, he's, if we could have a, a Gerard Andrews, two or three Gerard Andrews every year, I mean, this would be, uh, you know, such, so much better. I'm really going to miss him. Uh, but very proud of him. I think he's going to have a chance to play somewhere. I don't know. It's going to be up to him. Uh, but, again, he's going to get his degree. And uh, he's going to be a productive citizen out in society. And when the ball stops bouncing for him, I could easily see him being a coach somewhere because he's uh, he's got a lot of leadership qualities that uh, that I think that are going to be able to be beneficial to some program somewhere uh, whenever he's ready to get into coaching. A couple of more thoughts with Byron Smith, the head men's basketball coach at Prairie View a and I mean, you lose Darius Williams. Wow, you almost have to, you know, how do you, I'm, I'm sure you're, there are going to be some guys on the roster that you're going to expect to step up for 2021 but it's quite a few guys i mean that's just three guys including darius williams that you have to replace for the 2000 2021 season well you know my my favorite coach probably in sports today is nick saban and that's probably no uh surprise no accident why i like him so much because you know every year and i'm not i'm not trying to equate our players uh to the players at alabama in football but you know they just kind of reload you know and they just it's the next man up mentality and, you know, we, like I said, we really work hard with our development, our skill development, and I think we've got a pretty good eye for what works for Prairie View men's basketball in terms of recruiting. Uh, so we're just going to fill some spots, and we are losing quite a bit, as, as, as are some of the other teams in our conference. But I think that's the challenge, to see if we can kind of do it again and, and, and go out and find the right men that best represent the way that we want to play, uh, how we want them to conduct themselves off the court in terms of, you know, um, you know, continuing the culture I think that we've established over the past four years. Uh, so it's a challenge for us as coaches to do that. But I think we're way down the line. Even with this uh, bit of a stall with this coronavirus, I think we're involved with some quality young student-athletes that are going to come in and uh, and be able to have a, a great impact on and off the court. So uh, we like where we are, and I think we're only going to get better moving forward. And that's a challenge to me and our staff as coaches to be able to try to come back and um, – I don't like to talk about three-peat, but just to be as competitive and be at the top of the league uh, is definitely a, a goal of ours, and, and, and we think that we've got a pretty good chance to be there again in 2020-2021. And then lastly, can you speak to how you've been able to turn it around? I mean, I'd be remiss. I mentioned your third. This is really your third, completed your third full season because you had an interim season uh, going back to 2016 where your team finished 6-6 six and six, uh, in the last 12 games. But how you've been able to turn this you know, program uh, around what's what sort of been um, the why have you been able to have the success that you've had in now uh, three years at PV? I think I think anytime when you when you take over a program and and, and Byron Rim, you know the former head coach and my boss gave me an opportunity. I'm, I'm eternally grateful to him for bringing me in. But I think anytime you take over a program, it's just a different voice. Uh, my philosophy, um, you know, was really uh, to attack. Uh, conditioning first and foremost, and then become a solid def- defensive team. It's a lot easier to teach defense, I think, and to teach offense. And I've always said that, you know, at night sometimes the ball won't go in the basket, but you still have a chance if you're a good defensive team. So the turnaround has been really more about 
focusing more on the defensive side of the basketball and becoming a better rebounding team, becoming a better free throw shooting team. These were areas I thought that we were kind of lacking uh, when, when I was there as the assistant coach. I don't think we put enough time into those areas. Uh, but again, it's all about finding the right the, the right type of mix and of players uh, that really want to come in and that, that want to play out with all out effort. Uh, every single play, play as hard as you can play. Play every play like it's their last play that they, they that they'll ever play the game of basketball. So being able to find those type of men, uh, young men, to be able to come in and to do that day in and day out and attack uh, attack the preparation uh, each and every day uh, to try to get better and to improve. Uh, that's been key. So I mean, there's, there's a lot of different areas. Uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about the support that we've gotten from our administration. And you know, Prairie View's really always been kind of known as an academic school, but I think athletics is kind of starting to catch up. Uh, but again, it's just uh, the focus on defending the basketball, playing with all our effort, you know, getting on the glass, um, being unselfish on offense, and not caring about who really gets the credit. Because if you look at our roster, on any given night, we had three or four guys that could get 20 points or better. Uh, and these guys are totally unselfish. So uh, there's a lot of factors, a lot of reasons. But I think that the fact that we really really attacked the defensive side of it and, and, and we've been at the top of the league the last couple of years uh, in terms of defense, and I think that we're one of the better teams in the country in terms of creating turnovers. I think last year I think we finished in the top three. I think this year maybe, well, I don't, I don't know the final tally, but I think we're somewhere in the top 10, top 15. Uh, and, I, and that's all, not only getting turnovers, but that's getting deflections, which that helps you. Uh, in terms of, uh, you know, forcing teams to maybe to take shots that they don't want to take because of the shot clock. So just been an active team uh, playing, you know, like I said, with great effort. Um, it, it has a lot to do with why we've been able to get this thing turned around. And we want to continue to do that, too. We're not going to change. We're not going to be wrestling our laurels and say, hey, man, we've done really well defensively. Now let's start you know, trying to get up 110 points a game. We're going to continue to be that same gritty, grimy defensive basketball team and unselfish on offense and not care who gets the credit. Absolutely. Byron Smith. Just completing his third full season as the head men's basketball coach at Prairie View A&M joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. The Panthers uh, finish the season 19 and 13, 14 and 4 uh, in the SWAC finish as SWAC regular season champs. Coach Smith, I really appreciate you doing this. I want you and your family to continue to stay safe as well as the rest of the PV community and continued success to you and the Panthers. I really appreciate you having me, man. It's definitely an honor and love love to speak with you. And anytime you want to speak, you know where to find me. But really appreciate you having me on today. Absolutely. Byron Smith, the head men's basketball coach at Prairie View A&M, joining us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Let's step aside. Let's take a break. Let's come back. Our listen back will be with former Temple head men's basketball coach John Chaney. This is Simone Biles, four-time Olympic gold medalist. You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Roll with Donald Weyer. We're back here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Hope you're enjoying the program in the last segment, joined by Prairie View A&M head men's basketball coach Byron Smith as the Panthers won the SWAC regular season for the second straight year. As mentioned, the NCAA tournament would be in full effect right now. It is not. With that, we're going to take a listen back to a gentleman that had a lot of success in the NCAA tournament, not only at the Division I level, but at the Division II level as well. 
John Cheney, former head men's basketball coach at Temple, former head men's basketball coach at Cheney State, where he won the Division II National Championship in 1978. Joined us on From the Press Box to Press Row back in 2013. It's had a great time talking with him about his phenomenal career. Well, the only time I really miss uh, coaching is during, uh, you know, March and April when it's time to fuss and do a lot of cussing. That's what I, that's the only time I miss it. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 know, I totally get that. And, you know, just the, 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 the basketball today, college, collegiate basketball, I just want to kind of get your thoughts on it. And are you in favor of, of the NBA's one year in college rule. Well, I I, I find that uh, I go back to many many years when we've been discussing uh, this way back from the beginning uh, when uh, when we see that most of the great players in the NBA today, most of them have come out of high school. And I'm talking about the stars, if you look at it. If we were to go back and just take a look at the number of players that have come out of high school, how they've become the greatest players in the NBA. And you can start with any any of the great players. No, Many of them didn't finish. In fact, to suggest that they should finish college, when college is supposed to be there that uh, for every student to enhance his lifestyle. And I think that if a youngster has the ability to play at the next level out of college, I don't think anybody should deny him that opportunity. Uh, there's so many of them today uh, that uh, find themselves at the top of the heap. Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, Kevin Garnett. You can just go down the list of them. Amari uh, 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 Stoudemire. I can just go down the whole list where these guys came out of high school. They allowed them to come out of high school in baseball. I find uh, that uh, this is this not right to to impose a ruling on youngsters. Kids start playing tennis. We had tennis champions at 14, 15 years old. Chang was a champion at 15, 16 years old. I mean, when we look at the rulings, whether whether it was racial or whatever, you got to remember, Althea Gibson won the uh, won Wilmington. She was in her 30s because she was denied uh, an opportunity. I just think when an opportunity presents itself, now I'm not saying that's true for all youngsters, because some youngsters should stay in school and get get an education. But to suggest that one year uh, in college is going to make a difference, I don't think, uh, as far as I'm concerned, no. And then try and remember, the cost of college is out-distancing the poor. It's out-distancing the poor. For youngsters to be able to go to college nowadays at the cost of fifty, forty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000 a year, College should not be something that's for the privileged few. So when we get youngsters who are athletes that can enhance their lives by going to college, 
I don't think there should be any restrictions. And if it's athletes, I think all of them should fall in the same class. Let them rise uh, to the level where they can compete like everyone else. Sure, and you were able to have the access at the Division One level with Temple. But prior to that, you were the head coach at Cheney State for 10 seasons, winning a national championship. I know a lot of listeners don't know about that just prior, of course, to you coming to Temple. What Talk, talk about those days at, at, at Cheney State and how you were able to uh, just uh, have such a great program and, of course, ultimately win a national championship in 1978. Well, try and remember that was perhaps uh, my uh, my greatest uh, opportunity at that stage because I didn't have we didn't have the kind of of money and we didn't have the kind of of uh, access to uh, to the newspapers or or television or anything like that. Only thing we had was somebody who was in leadership, and that was Wade Wilson, who gave me an opportunity, gave Vivian Stringer an opportunity, who is now at Rutgers, one of our Hall of Fame coaches there. Both of us were there at the same time. The only thing about it is she had one of the biggest fights at the time, and that was fighting uh, to get into the NCAs because the NCAs didn't represent the women, and they had the old... Uh, uh, w, I can't think of the name of it now. But my God, we were both fighting. But she was Division One because she was out there playing uh, Immaculata and all the Delta State and all those great teams. In fact, she ended up in the Final Four one year. And they didn't even have enough money. They didn't have enough money to even send the girls out to the Final Four. But uh, me, I guess that what I did was I had a chance to Formulate my own schedule like I did at Cheney, Liz, I mean at, uh, at Temple. I went out to try to seek an opportunity to play the best teams at Division II level. And there were many, many teams. Akron was one, and Steubenville, Gannon, some of the top teams uh, in Division II, which would provide us an opportunity if we ever got it, because we won about five or six uh, regional championships before we finally got to win the national championship. But that kind of exposure provided me with experience from that point on. And it also provided experience to Vivian. And uh, I'm so happy that both of us, very few people know that, uh, that both of us was born right there at that great uh, land-grant college, the Quakers land-grant college, Cheney State, which is now Cheney University in the, in the state system in Pennsylvania. And uh, both of us are so, so very grateful for having been given that opportunity. And now she's moved on to be one of the great coaches in, in basketball at Rutgers. No question about it. That the voice of the legendary John Cheney, of course, coached 24 seasons at Temple, 10 at Cheney State, won a national championship at Cheney State in 1978. A graduate of then Bethune-Cookman College, now Bethune-Cookman University, joins us here. And Coach Cheney, what do you remember most about those days at Bethune-Cookman? I remember so much about 
one of the signs on the, the chapel as we would enter Vespers every Sunday to hear this great woman who was one of the great women, black women in this country, worked for Franklin Delano Roosevelt, worked with Ralph Bunch, ambassador to the United Nations, and she was an ambassador as well. I remember so distinctly as we would enter that chapel, there was a big sign that says, enter to learn the part to serve. That has never, ever left me. It's still with me even today. Enter to learn the part to serve. And uh, that, uh, go ahead, Coach Shaney. I think that that is, that is one of the great things about uh, Bethune Cookman that I will always remember. And the year that uh, I graduated <laughs> in, uh, in 55 was the year that uh, they buried uh, Miss Mary McLeod Bethune uh, right there on our campus. If you're ever there, go and visit. She was outstanding, and I'm so happy that I had a chance to meet a great, great legend. That's a listen back with former Temple and Cheney State head men's basketball coach John Cheney. Let's step aside, take a break, come back. We'll wrap up the show by talking National Football League free agency. It's Donald Ware from the Press Box to Press Row. We're back here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Let's talk a little bit of NFL free agency here on the program. And, I mean, to me, I mean, it's obviously a lot of big stories. You have Tom Brady. We'll talk a little bit more about that. But, I mean, no surprise to me that the Rams decided to cut Todd Gurley. I mean, I don't think there's any surprise there. I think the Rams knew a couple of years ago that pretty much, and I think, you know, uh, Todd Gurley's career is, I think, over for the most part. I mean, he's he's never going to be the running back that he was when he was able to get that massive contract that made him the highest paid running back in the National Football League. And he's he's injured. I mean, he's been injured for a couple of years now. He's not going to be that running back. I think, you know, if you're the Rams, you part ways with him. You, you know, it frees up some money for you. And they also have some other guys that they can go to as well. Maybe not, you know, a Todd Gurley type of guy that we, we knew from three years ago. But still, I mean, I think the money that the Rams um, were paying for Todd Gurley uh, is a lot of money for a guy that uh, is not is not healthy. I mean, he's not, he's not healthy, and I think the Rams have known this uh, for quite some time now. But obviously, could could really uh, you know he still had some skills. There's no question about it. But I mean, I don't want to say use him as a decoy, but I mean he's not clearly you know he's clearly not the he's clearly injured and, and, and still injured from. Uh, from a couple of years ago. So no, definitely no surprise there. With respect to uh, Philip Rivers being able to find a home in Indianapolis, I mean, 
Listen, to me, Jacoby Brissett is, I mean, he, he's got an upside to him, okay, whereas uh, Phillip Rivers, not so much. He's in the down, obviously the downside of his career. Um, he did not have a good season at all last year. And so if you're, I mean, I don't know, if you're a Colts fan, you can uh, hit me up. Uh, at, at Box to Row, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W on Twitter or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W. How are you feeling about Phillip Rivers coming to the Colts, albeit for, uh, you know, for a short amount of time, especially when you had a Jacoby Brissett? Remember, the Colts started out the season really well. Brissett ultimately went down but was playing well and has a lot of upside. And you bring in a guy, yeah, that's an established guy, uh, but who is coming off uh, probably his worst season in the National Football League. So, I mean, I thought that was an interesting dynamic. I, I got to be honest with you, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised um, a little bit by the move by the Carolina Panthers um, to sign Teddy Bridgewater and ultimately telling, at least according to Cam Newton, for Newton to seek a trade. And, you know, as as things sort of progressed, um, time went by. We I never saw Teddy Bridgewater coming to Carolina. I thought that it would be Newton, at least for the uh, the remainder for this upcoming season. He's had some injuries. There's no question about that. He, he hasn't been healthy, but a healthy Cam Newton uh, is a really Really good football player uh, all around uh, as a passer, certainly as a runner. Maybe you won't see him run as much because of the history of injuries, especially in the last couple of years. But I think for I don't think the Panthers handled this correctly. I think when you have a player that has been with your franchise uh, and has had the impact uh, not only on the franchise, but in the community, that Cam Newton has had. I mean, I think, you know, I think you, if you're the Panthers, you have to handle that differently. And, and certainly Cam Newton, and rightfully uh, so, not happy about the way that things transpired. I think if, listen, I think Teddy Bridgewater is going to come in and do a good job. I think when you look at what the Panthers are doing, the Panthers are rebuilding. I mean, they've let, you know, they've let some younger guys uh, 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 go, try to let some salary go. Um, to, to to rebuild. I mean, obviously, you're not going to be able to replace a Luke Keekley um, who who decided to retire really in his prime. So I think it's a good. I, I mean, I I don't really have a problem with the move. I, I have a problem with the way that the Panthers have gone about treating uh, Cam Newton, who has uh, who has meant a lot to the Panthers, the organization, putting behinds in the seats, and has meant a lot to that community. Of course, you know, you, you look at the real big one and and and, uh, and and you look at Tom Brady and I mean, leaving the Patriots after 20 years, 20 years with one organization. You know, I was trying to uh, see, you know, how how it uh, relates to other uh, superstar athletes in various sports that have gone on to play for other teams, I think most notably uh, the team, the the athlete that comes to mind is Michael Jordan. He uh, retired from the Bulls permanently, 
um, ultimately um, was the uh, was in essence running uh, the Washington Wizards, whatever his title was, and then decided to come back and play and played at a decent level, not at the level that we knew Michael Jordan to be, but certainly played at, at a decent level. That's the one that most comes to mind. I mean, you could look at the Joe Montana situation and, and, and with that being, uh, you know, you're talking about. Uh, pro football you're talking about at that time the greatest quarterback to ever play but remember Joe Montana was traded to the Chiefs because uh, Steve Young was on the rise and ultimately did lead the 49ers to another Super Bowl victory and uh, but but again it's it's different because Joe Montana was traded and had uh, two really good seasons with the Chiefs I mean I, I don't you know you, you remember if you remember Montana back then but he had a lot of injuries had a lot of sustained a, a, a quite a few concussions but uh ultimately uh it's similar but the difference is the 49ers traded uh joe montana i mean it, it, you know if you if you look at it from an, another situation not necessarily from a player situation but from a coaching situation you look at vince lombardi vince lombardi retired um uh with uh with the packers Maybe we could talk about Bill Belichick all day, but that's and that's fine because he's won, you know, the most Super Bowls. But I mean, let's talk about, you know, let's not forget about Vince Lombardi uh, ultimately stepped down from the Packers, uh, was the general manager for one season, wanted to get back into coaching and the Redskins, offered him a a deal. He obviously couldn't refuse. And in uh, 1969, came and coached the Redskins uh, a turnaround season and then ultimately passed away before the 1970 season. So those are some of the ones that I look at when you talk about greatness, greatness in leaving a franchise to go to another franchise. Those were the ones that uh, immediately came to my mind. We got to get out of here on from the press box to press row. Hope you enjoyed the listen back with uh, legendary coach John Cheney. Thank you to Byron Smith, the head men's basketball coach at Prairie View A&M for joining us on the program. Take coronavirus seriously and protect yourself. And always remember to support those that support you. From the press box to press row is presented by DW Communications. Because we're only act like children when we're on your first and first.